Thank you for listening to Remodeling Mastery by Mark G. Richardson, produced by Sheriff Our Local. Over 50,000 people have listened to Mark's podcast series specifically for home improvement businesses. You can subscribe to this podcast on any mobile phone using iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Mark Richardson, and welcome to Remodeling Mastery. Remodeling Mastery is a podcast series that's designed to help you take your business to the next level. What I try to do is choose different topics as well as bring on interviews of thought leaders that really gives you an opportunity to think about the remodeling business, not just do it. Some of these topics include how to focus on time, how to deal with the controlling client, and also just traditional kind of trends and things that we see out there in the remodeling industry. This podcast series is supported by NARI, the National Association of the Remodeling Industry, as well as Professional Remodeler, and is produced by my friends at Surefire Local. So today, before we actually get into our thought leader discussion, I want to talk about a topic that I think is pretty relevant and, and important for all those listening to this podcast. And it's the whole question, I think, that I'm finding with many of the people that I interact with is, why are you struggling out there? Why are you, you know, quite frankly, having a tough time in business today? As you look at kind of the stars and planets out there and you look at, you know, the housing market being decent, you look at the stock market, you look at low interest rates, you look at low unemployment, you look at all the variables out there that really, quite frankly, for most conditions or most times, they really are all thumbs up in terms of making a business or specifically the home-related type business quite positive and fruitful. So like anything, I think when you're struggling out there, you need to kind of look at the common denominators. And what I find of 10 different remodeling businesses, they are probably nine of them that operate a little bit differently than others. So there's no exact formula or prescription of why they're struggling, but I do think there are some common denominators that uh, I can touch on. Uh, Number one is, I would say, the pace of business today is much faster than the past. You know, I look back, for example, in my career and having been in this industry for 40 years, you know, 40 years ago or 30 years ago, we had literally years to adjust and react to things. You know, as time moved on, those years became months and then months became weeks. And literally today, I think you have sometimes only days to react to certain decisions. Otherwise, you're going to fall behind. And like with anything, when the pace of something is so much faster, then what happens is that you are probably going to either make decisions or have potentially more risk or accidents along the way. Think of it like you're driving a car. If I'm driving a car 40 miles an hour, I can not only kind of adjust and react based on that speed, but I can probably enjoy the journey and the view. If I'm driving 80 or 90 miles an hour, it's much more about this concentrated effort. And if something happens along the way, if all of a sudden a deer runs out in front of me, 
the chances or risks involved are much, much higher. The second is the client or homeowner today is much, much more demanding than ever. The pace of which they want things, their expectations are greater. And part of this, I think, is the pace of life. But part of it is in part because of the technologies that, you know, your homeowner really is fairly knowledgeable about the products today, fairly knowledgeable about costs, and fairly knowledgeable about certainly you through reputation management. You know, because of all those factors, I think it creates a really more of a controlling, demanding client today, which is kind of a little bit like wrestling an alligator, as opposed to the past that we were always creating kind of clients for life. The third variable that I think is critical is the talent pool, I think, is really less. So what we're finding is, as we see the aging craftsmen, that talent pool is becoming smaller, and the demands are much greater in that they have a lot more choices. I think the level of loyalty that that people have for a business today is much, much less, in part based on the demographic, but it's also based on the changing aging of the workforce. So when you take those things into consideration, they really make, I think, a more tougher, grinding kind of marketplace out there that, you know, really is a good reason why I think business tend to struggle. So rather than kind of give you all the whys behind things, I want to kind of share some of the things I think you can do about it. So the first thing is, I think it's more important than ever that you really know your numbers. And knowing your numbers means drilling down fairly deeply into the numbers, whether they're the lead numbers, whether they're the sales numbers, whether they're overhead numbers, whether they're the gross profit numbers, whether they're numbers related to how you're spending your time and where your strengths and weaknesses. But you really have to drill in and know the numbers today much, much better than you did in the past. For example, it's not okay just to know that I need 10 or 20 leads this particular month. I've got to drill into how many of those converted into appointments, how many of those leads came from personal referrals versus digital marketing efforts. You know, what is my cost per lead? How does this compare to last year? So in knowing your numbers today, I would strongly encourage in this prescription for you to spend literally spend an extra hour a week, make an appointment to yourself, drilling in and truly knowing as many of the numbers and then being able to react as quickly as you can. The second, I think, element in the prescription is really know your sweet spot. So most people understand that term sweet spot, but trying to visualize for a moment like a target at a shooting range. This target has a bunch of circles, and in the middle, it's got a bullseye. And that bullseye is oftentimes red. Well, when you think about your sweet spot, think of it like, what is that bullseye? What is that project that we love to do? What is that project that we're most profitable at? What is that client and that client demographic? What is that geography or that neighborhood or distance away from our office? The more clarity that you have to that sweet spot, the more that you can seek out and market to those uh, those particular leads, but also uh, say no to the ones that fall way outside it, but the ones that are in it, be really, really aggressive 
and let the client know that you really want to work with them and be fairly aggressive in the selling process. The third element, I think, is realizing that today more than ever, it's a team sport, not an individual sport. You know, it's more about doubles tennis, not singles tennis. And in team sports, you've got to act and you've got to focus on the team dynamic, not just the result of the game itself. It's not just about building projects and creating happy clients and, and, and uh, profitable work. It's also about the team dynamic in terms of how you're going to get there. It's very important that you realize if you're struggling out there, if you're challenged, your team is probably having some issues too. So spending more time focusing on the culture, spending more time focusing on the talent, developing the talent, listening to those dissonant voices within your team, I think is really, really critical. So as I think about this subject, you know, rather than just say, you know, it's tough out there and let's pack our tent, kind of close down or, or, or be more challenged, I do think there are things that you can do about it. I do think that, yes, in fact, when it's tougher out there, you've got to work harder. Yes, in fact, you have to have the right attitude and you do need to adjust and change what you're doing. But the reality is, I think it's safe to say, more than ever, homeowners are going to need your help. They're going to want beautiful homes. They're going to want great remodeling. And that's what you do. And I think the likelihood that they're going to be able to handle these things on their own without the professional involvement is much less. So it is really a matter of a choice. You know, do you struggle or do you keep the ball in front of you and really take it on and be successful? So again, I want to thank everybody for listening to this particular podcast. Stay tuned for our Thought Leader interview. Uh, it's always a very exciting time, I think, to not only listen and learn, but also you know, really appreciate that you're not alone out there. There are a lot of other people out there that are really not only making it happen, but also want to share those insights with you. So take care, everyone. And again, I want to thank you and encourage you to support this podcast series. Uh, look forward to joining me at the Extreme Sales Summit in Chicago uh, in mid-September. Go to Professional Remodeler and you can learn more about that particular event. And have a great day and certainly all the best to you. Hi, Mark Richardson here host of Remodeling Mastery and certainly excited about a lot of things happening in the industry. Many of you have been listening to this podcast and other interviews with many of the thought leaders. Well, we've got a chance that you can actually meet these thought leaders and interact and ask a lot of questions of the thought leaders. Coming up in Chicago on September 12th and 13th is the Extreme Sales Summit. The Extreme Sales Summit is an exclusive event. Uh, it's actually led by Professional Remodeler Magazine, and it's at the Lowe's Hotel. It's something that should be very, very interesting and exciting. Uh, there's a lot of different things that this event is really trying to accomplish. Uh, one is we're going to be having speakers there that are focusing on kind of the future consumer and how to sell to them. Uh, an organization that many of you have heard of, Google, and their head of industry is going to share some of the uh, insights that they have on how consumers want to be sold today 
and this is going to be shared. Also, we're going to be looking at different sales models that are out there. The selling of, you know, innovative organizations like Tesla and the medical industry and certainly some of the other retailing and how that really overlaps to the remodeling sales process itself. Selling financing. Many people out there today self-financing. However, the reality is financing is all about how to about increasing your close rate and seeing better results. We're also going to be looking at sales culture and how to retain and keep top gun salespeople. You know, high tech versus high touch. Today more than ever, you need that balance. And at the Extreme Sales Summit, there's going to be speakers sharing some different technologies to be able to take your sales game to the next level. So as I said, in addition to everything else, many of the remodeling thought leaders, including Brian Gottlieb and Bill Baldwin and Vince Nardo and many others who you've actually heard on this podcast series are going to be there, not only interacting, certainly with the group and the crowd, but also uh, they're going to be there certainly speaking and sharing more insights. So there's many different partners there to try to help and support from the marketing industry, certainly from the financing industries, from also the products and processes out there. So I encourage you to check this out. Uh, Again, it's coming up September 12th and 13th, and it is in Chicago at the Lowe's Hotel near the O'Hare Airport. Very easy, in and out, and I encourage you, and I look forward to hopefully meeting you myself directly then. Take care. Welcome back. I'm your host, Mark Richardson. And uh, in this segment, as we oftentimes do, we have a remodeling thought leader, Michael Anschel, that I'll introduce in a moment. Uh, Unlike some of the other discussions that we have that are more focused on a little bit of the remodeler's story or kind of a rags to riches, so to speak, uh, scenario, today I've asked Michael to talk to us about, you know, more of a theme, a theme that obviously he's written about, he's spoke, uh, spoken about it, but also I think internally within his business he's been able to master it. And that topic is transparency. And transparency is something that, you know, has become a little bit of business speak out there. However, it's got some pretty important and practical kind of applications to it. Google actually did a consumer survey recently that I thought was very interesting, and they talked about the importance, one of the top things uh, uh, in terms of how you approach uh, your branding, your website, and your communication to the client, one of the top things was pricing transparency. And in their surveys, they found that companies, their consumer surveys, companies that were not transparent in their process with pricing, two-thirds of the homeowners, the consumers, felt they weren't being truthful. And I know that's the exact opposite of how anyone listening to this podcast would portray themselves, but that's a big part of the way the world's changing. You know, I think today, in large part because of reviews and the Internet, you know, homeowners know more about the products than you do. They know more about the cost than you do. And because of the review process, 
They even know more about you than you do. So it's not a choice anymore to really embrace this. And as a result, you know, I brought Michael on to the uh, podcast series today. I've known Michael for many, many years, Michael Anschel. Uh, he is the uh, uh, founder and certainly leader of OA uh, up in the Minneapolis area. They are a design, build, and architecture uh, organization and firm. They focus on remodeling, new construction, light commercial. So, you know, they're looking at this topic. They're looking at what they do. I think, like many of you, heavily involved and committed to the remodeling space. So welcome to uh, Remodeling Mastery, Michael. Thank you very much, Mark. Appreciate it. So what I thought we'd do today, Michael, is kind of walk through for our listeners this topic. And I know you've written about it, and, and certainly uh, I'll mention up front and maybe at the end, for those of you that want to drill more deeply, uh, mm-hmm. Michael, uh, there's a feature article in spring of 2019 on the subject of transparency in Professional Remodeler magazine. But there are three, I think, kind of things I want to touch on. One is why. Why is this important? Why is this relevant today? Two is what are some of the things that you've learned not only as a uh, a thinker and remodeler and a practitioner. Uh, but then three is what are some of those little tidbits and techniques and things that, that those listening to this podcast series might benefit? And uh, again, I encourage those that listen to this, feel free to pass this along to your other team members that are kind of debating and grappling with this subject as well. So let's start with the why. Why do you think, Michael, this is especially relevant today? Uh, well, so that, that's a great, that, that's a huge, it's a huge subject, as you said, Mark, and I think that it's a, that's a, a lot to go through. I think starting with the why is a great place to start. Uh, as you said, the access to information um, that the consumer has in today's world is nothing like it was when most of us started our businesses. And, yeah, um, you know, libraries are rarely visited. The internet is the library, and it comes with interactive tools. It comes with pricing. I can, I can Google virtually anything, and it's install cost, and it's there at my fingertips. And I think that, um, as you noted, there we have clients who bring new materials to us. Um, we often find ourselves um, doing investigative work um, that is that is inspired by what they're bringing to the table versus what our baseline knowledge is. And so in that atmosphere um, where they can basically check your work, you know, uh, we felt like we needed to adapt um, and, and to that. And we started this process about seven years ago. There's, but there's, there's more to it than just their ability to access the information. Um, we have always struggled with previously always struggled with, I struggled with, um, the, you know, the shell game that takes place in, in estimating. And I, the number of hours that I spent late into the evening when a client had decided to remove an element from a project after I'd estimated and I was going back and trying to re-estimate it and trying to figure out how to shuffle my margin from one spot to another without losing it, and then they wanted you know, throw in something like a boiler where they can get the pricing from 
the local utility, and so I can't walk in there with a, you know, a 6.8 on a boiler. So how am I going to shuffle that around through other categories? And it, it, it ends up taking so much time, and it makes you, your ability to respond to changes in design requests or changes in bid requests um, it, it, nearly impossible. And you spend a ton of time estimating and re-estimating um, and so it didn't seem like a good use of our time. It was frustrating. And, and it always also felt like, um, you know, you brought up trust that when we sat down with the client and we were going over the numbers and they were like, wow, that's really expensive. You know, how do we get there? Well, you know, we try to dance around the subject a little bit. We try to show them areas where, you know, oh, well, this is really pushing your cost up. But we weren't able to really ever show them exactly what was happening. And so, uh, since the since the global culture has been pushing transparency for a while, and it's you know when you see companies like Starbucks uh, and Target and major corporations taking positions on transparency, I think that that's a good signal to the rest of us that we that this is a real thing that's coming down the pike, and it's only grown in momentum since then. And uh, so we decided to position ourselves for that. As well. so Excellent. That's a big giant. So I walk. know, I know, yeah. Michael, that this very much hits hits a chord uh, for those listening to this. Uh, if it doesn't, quite frankly, you're probably uh, not in the same world that the rest of the remodeling or community is in terms of the, how the consumer thinks. So, walk us through a little bit more the mechanics of how you went to this pain of, you know, late nights of juggling the shell game and numbers to, uh, you know, what was your little mini revelation and, and, and talk to us about that. Cool. Yeah. So my, well, here, my mini revelation, Mark, an epiphany moment, right? Was yep. I'm the contractor. I'm the agent of the client. The client has hired me to help them navigate. Uh, I don't know if I can swear on this podcast, but a, a cluster of an industry that is full of, of uh, hard-to-manage individuals and misinformation and a lot of mystery. And they're paying us to do that. They're paying us a contractor's fee. And in a, if this was any other profession, I would charge a fee for my work. And, and I wouldn't be marking up the stuff that the client had asked me to go and figure out for them. And that really... that shift in perspective opened up just a completely different way of looking at all of the numbers, period. Yeah? Yep. I uh, got it. So, so we said, okay, well, we have fees. We don't, we don't mark anything up anymore. So, so we, seven years ago, we said, we're not marking anything up. From now on, there are no markups. We're done with them. We have uh, overhead, which is not hard to calculate. We have our profit, which is a an arbitrary number that we're choosing to have. And then we have... But for uh, the most part, it's one that consumers want you to have a fair but not certainly egregious profit. Sure. And, and, and if you know that they're doing their homework, you could go out and you could say, okay, so what is, if someone was to Google this, what do they think is fair? You know, we picked 18%. 18% is what we show as contractor's profit. So if when we're going through this, um, very transparent process. Um, 
there's a line that says contractor's profit, and if they do the math, it's 18%, and it's just what, it's what it is. Um, and we've had no pushback on it. It's, it's, a, it's brilliant. It's like it's there, it's, above, it's on the table, it's above board. Okay. Uh, and then we have fees. We have fees for managing things. And this is probably where some of the learning curve for us really uh, uh, came in, and we went through so many iterations. We started out with four categories of, of fees, and I think we're at 13 categories now as we you know, tried to parse um, those out into smaller and smaller pieces that were more representative of what was actually taking place and gave us the flexibility to be dynamic and respond to the actual project requirements. So I, I, I like to say that uh, the old-fashioned way of you know, soliciting bids from your vendors uh, and then tacking a 168 on it and saying, there, boom, I'm done, is just lazy and sloppy, and you have no real sense of how much of that is your profit, truthfully, how much of it is going towards your overhead, how much of it is going to your project managers, how much of it is going to your liability, your risk management. You, you, it's just a big pot of money, and you can't manage it well, which means you also can't utilize it. You can't pull from it. And so your cash flow analysis is also kind of crap, right? Yep. Uh, so figuring out what those fees should be called uh, and, and how to label them, uh, and those fees are everything from uh, client management, which is a very real thing, as we know, uh, material procurement, um, uh, moving materials uh, from our office to sites, so transportation. Um, then we have building inspections. We have our quality, quality control process. We have our own inspections. We have labor management. We have subcontractor management. We have invoicing and billing. We, so, so we took all these things and we said, let's just be really clear about what, what they are. And if we have a project that is simple, like a roof, and it's a single trade or a two-trade project, the amount of management that goes into that project is not much. And so, so we don't need a lot of management on that project, right? Uh, maybe we got 10 hours of management, you know, four hours with the client and six hours with the sub and a couple site visits. So it, it let us be more dynamic, which actually made us more competitive and, uh, and allows us to protect our, our profit um, and our overhead at the same time. And that's Excellent. where we get a little bit further into the weeds. Excellent. So uh, having gone through this, as you said, this learning curve of different iterations and, and, and you know, tweaks in language and that kind of thing, if you had to, you know, kind of boil down to a few kind of broad lessons learned that can be translated into advice, what, what sure. might they be? Um, so I would say the biggest, the big one is, uh, is the trust, the trust, the trust that we were able to build instantly uh, with a client, um, not only uh, as a selling tool, so we, we actively promote the fact that we're tra fully transparent, part of our initial lead meeting process, we let them know that they get to see everything. They get to see how the sausage is made, and that's, that's huge. They love it. They love the fact that they can proceed with confidence um, and never feel and, uh, like they're stuck with a black box. Um, it, it raises the level of trust so much higher, and as we all know, uh, when things go wrong, if the trust isn't there and they start to second-guess you, that's when things go south. And so 
having an extra 20, 30% of trust on the front end is, is huge. Um, I think the other, the other thing, um, you know, that the whole shell game or the defensiveness around numbers, it just evaporates. Um, you know, uh, there's the there's the window package, and the window package comes from the manufacturer, and those that's so if you want those windows, that's what those windows cost, and if you want them to cost less, we have to change something about the features of the windows, or go to a a, a different manufacturer who produces a less expensive window, and it ne- it's never personal, it's never about us, and it's never about our fees. Um, and, Another big lesson learned, I think, is, is in how we present, and this one took a long time for us to learn, was how we presented those fees and how we navigated that, um, the, the discussion around what they were, what they were for, and how to visually present them and linguistically present them um, in a way that made sense and was appreciated by the consumer um, I think, as you noted, Mark, that the language that we use matters a great deal. And if the consumer doesn't see value in it, then um, then we've, we've really failed to communicate what it is and why they should value it. Excellent. Excellent. You know, I think about, as Michael's talking about this, you know, I think if, if you do want to kind of move in this direction, which is certainly the the way that, you know, the, the, the kind of the winds and the, and the tide is going for all the reasons that, you know, Michael talked about and I highlighted at the beginning. Um, you know, it's important, I think, and, and three, three kind of letters kind of come, out, come in my mind. I'm kind of interested in, in even Michael's kind of expanding on this is mm-hmm. they're, they're kind of my classic three E's that you've certainly heard. One is early, you know. You want to start to have the conversations with the client early about how you're going about doing this. You want to make it easy for them to understand. So if you are going to be more transparent, you know, don't make this a dissertation in your breakdowns and all that. Make it easy for them to understand. And third is you want to try to do it every time. Don't make it, uh, okay, here's a client. I'm going to be more transparent, and here I'm not going to be transparent. And by trying to create a, a dynamic that you're doing it every time, you're going to become more masterful at it. And as Michael has certainly talked about, I think then all of a sudden you're going to glean a lot of the returns of the, the trust and, and, and the effectiveness. Have, have you seen, Michael, some good returns from this, or is it just allowing you to sleep a little bit better at night? <laughs> well, first, Mark, Everything you just said is totally spot on, yeah? Especially the, um, you have one way of doing things and you do it every single time. You can't do it sometimes and not other times. It's, it's absolutely critical. Uh, in terms of return, I think without a doubt, I, um, we, I think it, not only does it make us more attractive in our close rate, um, since we've implemented this has gone up. Um, it, it has protected our margins, our profit, in a way that we were never able to do before um, so that regardless of what's happening with the project and the scope, if they're taking things in and out of the scope, if they're changing things, our profit stays 
you know, there's kind of a firewall between our, 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 the project and our overhead and our profit. And even our fees, our, our, our fees, our management fees, so if they change the cabinet package and they go with less expensive cabinets, nothing about our process has changed. Right? We still have to install the cabinets. And so the consumer goes and expects to see a change in the cabinet price, but they don't expect to see a change in any of the other fees. And we've had clients who've actually you know, pulled a fair amount out of the project and have never gone back and said, hey, shouldn't you be adjusting some of your, you know, your overhead or your profit or anything like that? It's, it's allowed us, realistically, we probably run something closer to an 8.2 or an 8.4, and we're able to do it easier with no resistance uh, in full in full broad view of the client and and the best part is that the clients are happy and they thank us for having someone that they can trust and that they can bring us to they're, they're just that it it to say that there's a return on it is almost an understatement <laughs> it is really revolutionized the way that we've done things um, here at OA well this has been uh, this has been terrific I'm going to give you an opportunity in a moment here Michael to give any you know, final tips or final words, but, you know, we had uh, last, last year Michael come and speak at the Extreme Sales Summit, which I encourage you uh, to sign up for that. We've got a lot of amazing topics and speakers, and it was very well received. This year it's going to be September 12th and 13th uh, in Chicago uh, as opposed to Philadelphia, so I encourage that. But also... Um, uh, Michael, you are going to uh, you're going to be presenting some of this certainly coming up uh, at the remodeling show. Maybe you can touch on a little bit of details and then you know give us any any final tips and final words. Yeah. So for those folks who um, are either deeply disturbed by this conversation or super intrigued, uh, Sean McCadden and I are going to has a very different view on this, and I are going to duke it out at the, at the remodeling show in Louisville. Uh, I believe that is um, in October uh, or early November. I forget. Sorry. Um, and uh, and it is it is fun and it is nuanced. I I, I think in terms of um, final thoughts would be uh, it, it can be daunting. I think everything that we've been taught in this industry has been to be fearful of the client and that the client's out to get us and I. I think that if we put ourselves in the client's shoes, um, they've also been taught to be fearful of us. And, um, you know, we're slightly better than used car salesmen to many of them. This is an opportunity to change that dynamic, but you have to also recognize that your staff may not get it right away. And there's a huge um, culture shift that has to take place on the inside. You know, you can't, can't fake this one. It's it's got to be throughout. And I think that bringing this to your companies and bringing it to your employees uh, first as a tool to gain better understanding of the numbers internally um, is a really great starting place. If I was to say number one tip trick would be first just practice it internally. And then uh, when you feel like you're comfortable, bring that detailed, uh, I hate to use the word lie item, but Bring that detailed estimate to your client meeting and just have it on the table with you. 
And as you're talking about the project and cost, you can point to it. You can reference it. They might even take it up and flip through it. Um, and, and watch the shift that takes place with the client. And I think that uh, um, from there, it's obviously there's a lot of work to do. And, and uh, it's, not a, it's not something you take lightly. It is, a, it is an overhaul in some ways of how you're doing business. And, but if you treat it that way and you treat it with respect, um, it's, it's just a remarkable tool. Excellent. So that would be well, my big tip. Yeah. Ah, perfect, perfect. Well, this has been great, Michael. Thank you so much for sharing it. Again, I want to thank all of our uh, supporters, NARI, National Association of Remodeling Industry, as well as Professional Remodeler, and certainly our friends at Surefire Local that produce this podcast series. Again, I encourage you to, if you like these topics, certainly reach back to the uh, supporters reach back to myself, Mark Richardson, and you can uh, you know, provide the right level of feedback, but also rather than just you know, listening to a link, try to subscribe to this so it automatically comes to you because we've had you know, literally a library of over 100 topics that are really designed to help you take your business to the next level. So again, I want to thank Michael for joining us today and look forward to speaking to you soon. Thanks, Mark. It's been a real pleasure. If you liked what you've heard, take a moment to subscribe to Remodeling Mastery on your phone using your favorite podcast app. It's available in all the major apps like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Go ahead and post in the comments what you learned and any questions you have for Mark, and he may answer them on an upcoming episode. Thank you again for listening to Remodeling Mastery by Mark G. Richardson.